0: This is Yudaha Cohen, Vision Movement, Vision Magazine, and you're listening to the Next Stage Podcast. I'm down here on the farm with Gabriel Reese in southern Judea. Hello, hello. And I really wanted to check in and ask a very specific question and see, uh, I want to see what you have to say here. Okay. First of all, you know, we've been at war now for three months, over three months. What would you say is the major shift in the state of Israel, the nation of Israel's mentality in the last three months? And where do we need to go from there? Like, how has Israeli society changed in the last three months since Simchat Torah, since October 7th? And what does that change create the conditions for future changes? Wow. Well, I think uh,
1: the paradigms that people were working under, the, the conceptions that people were working under have crumbled under them Israel wants to see itself as a Western country. Our a, leaders, our political leaders. Uh, our leaders and also many of uh, many of the, the, the citizens as well. They want to see themselves as a part of the West, as a part of Europe, of America, of Judeo-Christian civilization, as it were. And I think that people have come to the conclusion that the ideas that are born of that paradigm have actually not only not helped us, but have caused the great catastrophes that have befallen us uh, here. The, the, the misunderstanding of our Arab neighbors, the misunderstanding of the, the aspirations of those around us. Uh, and I think that the moment that, that crumbled uh, and really it, it just collapsed, People started to move forward to ideas that, that, in other words, people need to survive. And the very need for survival, the very need for survival pushes people to accept new ideas that were hidden within their psyche. Mm -hmm. Things that they thought were true, knew that were true, things that exist within our tradition, things that exist within our society. For example the idea of uh, that we're a collective, the fact that people are willing to sacrifice. One of the main claims against us by those who are our enemies is that we cherish life so much and we're not willing to sacrifice for greater ideals, sacrifice our lives. And here we see, and we don't want to, but we're willing to sacrifice the, those things that are dearest to us, those, those people who are dearest to us, to sacrifice ourselves for a greater idea. And I think as time goes on, people will start to understand that there is a greater idea out there. Maybe we're trying to now to understand what what is this greater idea that we're willing to sacrifice for? I'm willing to send my children to battle, my sons, my friends, my neighbors, myself, with the express knowledge that we might not come back. We want to come back, but if we don't, that's a sacrifice we're willing to make. Our ability to make that sacrifice, is what's called Mesirut Nefesh. Mesirut Nefesh is the idea that we're willing to, to give of ourselves that which is deepest to us. Now, and what that assumes, that's actually the power of Yitzchak. And that's why it's the power of Yitzchak against the power of Ishmael. The fact that we're willing to put ourselves on the line for a greater idea, for the collective, for a greater dream. And I think it surprises our enemies and I think it surprises us. And now what remains is for us to clarify for ourselves, what is that greater thing that we're willing to sacrifice for? It's not only for our lives, cause we could go and live in Australia, apparently, or America or New York, or, Germany, Germany. No, we need for the people of Israel to live the people of israel as a whole as a collective as an idea and we're willing to put ourselves on the line for that and that's an amazing thing that's a, that's a, that's a tremendous
0: revelation and, and we didn't know that before before simchat torah we didn't know that we have Mr. nefesh and self-sacrifice and the willingness to give our lives for a greater good i
1: think i think we weren't we i think that I'm it sorry, was dormant certainly it was dormant mm. and we we were so convinced by the american dream that all a person wants in life is to send their kid to a good college and to have, uh, make a good living and have a home with a white picket fence and uh, good fences make good neighbors and uh, to live our individualist lives. It just Wait, does not work. How, it's not what we really want. How We're willing really to sacrifice not for, for that not to be the case. And we also realize that that won't allow us to continue to survive here as a civilization.
0: How deeply do you think that American dream penetrated Israeli society? Um, like, was it just on the surface, or is it something that Israelis, on a very deep level, had, had made their center of gravity, their aspirations in life, their aspirations for their children? Like, to what extent has Westernization had a deep effect versus a surface effect on our society? Yeah. No, I, first of all,
1: I think it's very different between the different sectors of society. Okay? Mm. Those sectors that it's very deep, and those are sectors that are less deep. But the truth is, even those sectors that are supposedly the most deeply connected to a unique Jewish story are very, very deeply affected by this idea of the, the American mindset, the Western mindset. Like the national religious. Even the national religious world, even the Haredi world. Like I think that many of the ways that we study Torah, I just had a discussion with someone, the, even the ways we study Torah is affected by it. The problem is we don't really know. For we, example, uh, an example of it is the idea that, for example, that uh, there was Torah Tav, mm-hmm. and uh, then after there was a Torah Tav, then some point written later Torah. on, the rabbis
0: first there was a written Torah, there was a written
1: Torah, and then some point later, there's what's called commentary, like that the mm-hmm. rabbis. Sat down, looked at what's written down, and said, "Okay, well, what is that all about?" And 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 then and then created all kinds of commentaries.
0: Which is the oral law. Which is
1: called the oral and law. And
0: that's like the academic understanding of the Torah. <laughs> that's
1: the academic understanding of the Torah, and that's also the um, unfortunately most of the religious world is understands in the same way. And I, it's hard to understand why that is because <laughs> certainly all of the great scholars of Jewish history never understood it that way. It's clear and we can show why, how that is. And mm-hmm. uh, there's that and, and, and they
0: actually saw it as, first, there was the oral law and the written law is a piece of that.
1: Uh, that's one way to look at it. That's, one, the, way, that's the way that I, that I describe it in order to make the point. But but certainly the idea that the oral law is something, or we call the oral law, is the Torah of the present. In other <laughs> words, it's the Torah of what exists right now. So, in any case, that's one example, and there are also many other examples. There are many other examples how we relate to the idea of having power and so forth. As far as how we relate to how we relate to the non-Jew, maybe I'll give an example that I just saw today. Um, we have to understand also that even according to our tradition, when you have what we call converts, okay, we call a convert to Jewish people, it's, you can join the Jewish people, and that's called a ger, and a ger joins the Jewish people. But that idea. Uh, is transited into Western terms as a conversion.
0: Process. Somebody so, joining someone, a religion.
1: Someone joining a religion, um, and then we think that there 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 are a totally similar playing field. But mm-hmm. if you look really in our true tradition, there's difference. There's a difference in that. We have, for example, we have more mitzvot towards a girl than we have towards a a Jew who is born as a Jew. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, uh, there are things that a Jew can say and there are things that a Aguirre can say, there there are different statuses, there's different statuses, different understanding of of who they are and that's very important because in the end we're a people that has a peoplehood and a tradition and uh, that tradition is passed from father to son, from from teacher to to student, um, from generation to generation and someone who comes from the outside, that's also important like that we have to have a that there's, that there's different nations that have come and joined the people of Israel. That's a welcome thing. But we're also aware of that, that there's something on the outside that's coming in. Mm-hmm. It has to be coming into something.
0: That structure has to be there. The that's, thing that's that they're subject. joining has to exist. Right, the thing that has to exist. On solid footing.
1: Uh, it has to exist. But even our religious leaders, in many ways, like our standard religious leaders, I don't think that the great uh, the great leaders of the Jewish people, I think that they understand it. I right? want to believe that they understand these ideas and they think about them, they know them. And we see this certainly in things that have been written throughout the generations. But certainly we see in just standard teachings within the like the yeshiva world, the standard modern Orthodox world, standard uh, um, even Haredi world, that these ideas have become corrupted and they, they take on a coloring that is very, very non-Jewish. Mm-hmm. Okay? Specifically Western. Specifically Western, specifically influenced by 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 the Christian world, the Christian world, the secularized Christian world, and so forth.
0: Which is basically liberal ideology. When you say the secularized Christian world, you mean the ideology that replaced Christianity in Western civilization, which is Hobbes and Locke and Rousseau, etc.
1: That's also that's, that's a part of it as well. So in any case, uh, I think that the people of Israel right now have recognized that we are dedicated to something that's greater than our own personal lives, that we're willing to sacrifice for that greater ideal. And now we know that there is that greater ideal out there, and it has not yet been clarified.
0: So so we've basically come back to the ethos of the Zionist era. We've basically gone back to like the 1940s and 50s and 60s in, in the collective psyche of Israeli society. In what sense? Meaning that there's a value of seeing ourselves as a collective and being willing to sacrifice for the greater good. I think maybe after the Yom Kippur War that shifted, people felt like Friarim and didn't want to be cynically used, you know, in the name of like Zionist ideology in ways that were considered exploitative and there was that individualism that was spread throughout Israeli society with westernization, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And so right, much. but, but we're, we've gone back to before that. It's like we've been knocked back I don't, to, think, we're, I
1: don't think we've been knocked back. I think where we are is we, a great question mark has been raised over mm-hmm. those values that we assumed were the basis of our life and would bring us to a greater life and would bring our region to a greater place. The values that place. were foreign values. And these were foreign values. And now we say okay, so there's something else. There's something else that stands deep in who we are number mm-hmm. one, that we're willing to sacrifice for. We don't know exactly what it is yet. And uh, what we have to do now is we have to build the cliff and see how those values and those ideas can actually uh, create a better place for us here. In the meantime, we're fighting a war. In the mm. meantime, we're fighting for survival. In the meantime, I think that also we have a, we really do have an existential threat here. We see the entire world coming up against us. We see all the so-called oppressed peoples of the world standing up and saying, you are evil, you are the oppressor. And the only group supposedly that's standing with us is, is the United States and some right-wing leaders of, of Europe, possibly, and all the rest of the world is against
0: us. How do you understand that?
1: Well, really, what, what should have happened, and what what should be, is that the Jewish people, the Jewish people, are supposed to be the harbinger of justice mm-hmm. for all of the people of the world. And because we do not, we have not been performing our mission. We have not been saying who we are and what we are and what we believe. We have not um, spoken against the oppressors and for the oppressed. We have not created the connections that we've needed to create with the world. We've portrayed ourselves as a small piece of, of the American empire. And we've leaned upon this great empirical power that the entire world is lined up against right now to fight. And they see us as just uh, an appendage of this of this uh, oppressive, uh, oppressive power.
0: Uh, perhaps a low-hanging Appendage.
1: And, uh, correct, the low appendage. And that, that, that's also that's something that can be fought against mm-hmm. and can be destroyed and, and thereby humiliate the so-called great Satan, mm-hmm. right? The, the little Satan and the, the great Satan. We should, be leading, we should be leading this world. We should have our own hug. We should be judging. We should be in a place where we can speak to the neighbors around us in the language of justice, Mm -hmm. and we're we're not there yet.
0: We haven't developed to that point yet. we not even close. So the question is, first of all, when you look at what's going on in the world, when you look at, let's say, I I think South Africa is a good good example, because South Africa is a, a nation that experienced real oppression, real apartheid, and now positions itself or tries to position itself as the nation taking up the cause of the oppressed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. like That's what they are. They are on the side of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that's what Israel should have been. Israel came back to life, an oppressed people that came back to life after 2,000 years of existing in gas form. We're a solid again. We're in our land again. We have power again. For the first time in thousands of years, we have power. We should have come back as a revolutionary state to be on the side of the oppressed of the world against the oppressors. Uh, but we didn't do that. Well, we, no, we no, I,
1: I think I think I think we have to be very careful. What, what's happening today is mm. that there's a knee-jerk reaction mm. of the oppressed against the oppressor. It's okay? not a real thing. It's a knee-jerk reaction. In other words, it's based upon idea that's inherent in the Christian the, the mythology, Christian morality. Where the weak Mm -hmm. shall inherit the earth, the meek shall inherit the earth. The weak, the victim, is always the right, Mm -hmm. and the oppressor is always wrong. Mm -hmm. And the
0: strong is always wrong. The strong is so we we can say say that this is always always correct. So the correction to that, I think, is that there is such a thing as being strong and powerful and just and righteous. Correct. But that's not being an oppressor. Being an oppressor is, by definition, problematic because you're hurting someone else. You are benefiting at right. the expense of somebody else. Yeah, I agree with that. And now the Muslim world mm-hmm. doesn't accept the
1: Christian uh, morality. Mm-hmm. They don't see the weak as the, the powerful. But because they want themselves to be powerful, mm-hmm. they're willing, they know how to utilize the weapon of mm-hmm. Christian morality that has become the playing ground mm-hmm. of international law, the idea of human rights. What's a Right. What is a right? A right is that I do nothing, but I deserve something. Mm. I'm the weak, I'm the victim, and you have to give me. I deserve something. Um, and the Muslim world is willing to, to adopt that language in order to achieve its goals.
0: Right, because they know their agenda.
1: The ideal of Islam, if you hear them talk, is to be just. Mm-hmm. That is the ideal. Mm-hmm. But they also overplay it. Like, it's so impo- important for them to be powerful. Mm-hmm. And to be be the strong power that they're willing to use these tools of Christian morality, which has become Western morality, which has become the basis of international law, as a, as a weapon against whoever it is that stands in their way for them to become, really themselves, the greatest empire.
0: But, but in job, the pursuit
1: of what they see as just. I think that, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. they talk in the language of justice, mm-hmm. and we should also be talking in the language of justice, but they, uh, in, 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 in many ways, their true desire is domination. And that comes about in, in the idea of Allahu Akbar. God, Allah, is the most powerful. There are others, but the most powerful crushes the least powerful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, for us, we say Hashem is the Akhad. He's mm-hmm. one. In other words, there's a unity of all these different powers, a harmony. But for the way that Islam developed, Allahu Akbar, he's the most powerful. If there is that other one beside him, he negates them. Mm -hmm. And so you have these different sects of Islam that each one is negating the other one. And the possibility within Islam is the possibility of multi-covenantism that appears there and that's something that's that's a a Jewish idea and it's possible. And there are many people who try to claim that that Islam at its inception was just kind of a Noahide movement Mm -hmm. as it were that was promoting the among the Arab populations that were basically mm-hmm. idolaters.
0: That, that returned, basically, that Muhammad returned the teachings of Avraham and Yishmael. Exactly. And, and,
1: and, and those things are, are true ideas. Right. So our job has to be to be able to correct what's happening in the Islamic world and be able to say our, our message, at least, mm-hmm. from Yerushalayim. Mm-hmm. This so, is our message. So what's you. our message? The message to the Islamic world is, is that there has to be a place mm-hmm. for the other. In other words, the Islamic world sees... I don't know how deep we want to get into these ideas, but uh, that the Islamic world has no place for the other, okay? And in the Christian world, the weak Mm -hmm. is always the just, okay? And what we're saying is, what we're saying is that there has to be a unity of the 70 nations of the world, and we're all basically limbs of one gigantic body of humanity, and each limb has its important purpose, and there are different purposes. The eye, the job of the eye is different from the job of the leg, is different from the job of the ear, is different from the job of the mouth. And every nation has its purpose. And, but only when we work together as one, as one humanity, then there's harmony between, between all of us. So neither negation nor empowerment of the weak, we have to be, able to be able to have our own, we have to be able to look at the world issues and say our word and say what it is that we we think.
0: So, we're not there yet. No, I mean, look, the Jewish people have been powerless for 2,000 years. We have power for the first time now. We know how to be weak and just. We know how to be powerful and oppressive, strong and oppressive. We haven't figured out yet how to be strong and just.
1: Okay, okay. I can agree with that. We have to now learn how to be strong and just.
0: That's the challenge before Israel as a nation. And so you're, you're saying that it's not just that on Simchat Torah, on October 7th, Israel was knocked back to the pre-Yom Kippur War era, or the pre-six-day war era, where we really felt vulnerable, we really felt like a collective, we're in it together, and, uh, and we're all meant to be willing to sacrifice the personal for the sake of the collective for the sake of the national we're advancing to a new stage that might look might resemble that previous stage a little bit but it's a new stage
1: i think so i think that we won't have survival if we don't start to develop to develop that next stage. okay mm-hmm. the way that we see the world coming down on us the world's eyes on us the world powers looking at us we have to be able to develop that next stage and that next stage is something that has to develop outside of politics
0: Uh, So I, I would say when I talk about Israel being really what South Africa is trying to be, I think we fell into a trap. I think the Jews have been conditioned for a long time, especially Ashkenazim, but not only, to see our survival being dependent on having a relationship with powerful Gentiles. And that's how we survive. There are a lot of people who hate us. There are a lot of people who want to kill us. That was our experience in Europe. That was our experience in North Africa. And then there's the powerful Gentile who can protect us if we're serving its interests, right? And that's the trap Israel fell into. And once Israel became a nation state, we suddenly opted not to be a revolutionary state that sides with the oppressed of the world, but actually a state that tries to uh, make itself useful to the oppressors of the world, tries to make itself useful to the imperial powers. And really believing that our survival is dependent on having a strong relationship with those imperial powers. And and now we're in a situation, I think, where, as you said, the oppressed of the world are looking at us as this low-hanging appendage of the imperial powers that they could reach and they can crush if they try hard enough. And One could argue that's what they're attempting to do right now. And I think Israel has to make a decision. What side do we want to be on? Or maybe we can create our own side. What does it look like to create our own side? We
1: we have to create our own side. We have to be powerful right now. You mentioned, you said, we know how to be powerful and maybe oppressive. Mm -hmm. Or we know how to be the oppressed and weak. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to be powerful and just. Right. So the first step to being powerful and just is to be powerful. Mm -hmm. We We have to be powerful.
0: Have we done that? We're on the way there, Mm -hmm.
1: we're on the way there. We have to be able to know what that means. We have to be able to be independent. We have to be able to think independently. We have to be able to know who we are. We have to define our own interests, define our own agenda, define our own goals, define our own strategy. We have to have a vision for the future, and we don't have a vision for the future. We have a vision for the next year or two or three years Mm -hmm. or half as like to be a a country that's fun to live in. Like, what is it that we're aspiring to? Mm -hmm. What is is it that we would like to see in this world? What is our role in in this world? And once we were able to define it, we have to be able to say, where do we want to be in 30 years, in 40 years, in 50 years, okay? (laughs)
0: Israelis in general, aren't very good at long-term thinking. Long-term vision. We're good at finding quick solutions to short-term problems.
1: Right. And that's a very important talent. It's mm-hmm. a very important talent, especially... When you have a lot of urgent problems. We have a lot of... Uh, we're in a very volatile region. and We have many, many issues and many, many problems. Oh. And that's a talent we don't want to... Uh, we don't want to... Uh, discard forget. We don't want to discard it. Mm-hmm. But we, at the same time, now we have to have a long-term vision. Vision about where it is that we're going, mm-hmm. and not to ignore the problems that we've been sweeping under the carpet that are now bursting upon us, and 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 our lack of ability to be able to define for ourselves what a Jewish-dominated region looks like for the Jew and for the non-Jew, with the knowledge that we're in the Middle East, that we're not a Western country, that we're knowledge that we're an ancient people and we're not a colonialist appendage. With the knowledge that we... Um,
0: we're collective and not just a bunch of individuals. We're
1: collective and not an individual. That, that we have a different set of moral ideas that are different from the West and different from the Islamic world. That we have to build up, define those things, and then invite others to come and join us along mm. the lines that we're, we will build the define for ourselves.
0: So in terms of Israel's internal development... Mm-hmm. Let's say, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that what happened on Simchat Torah and the war we've been in ever since has loosened the grip of westernization on Israeli society and individualism on Israeli society, right? It's it's loosened the grip of liberal ideology on Israeli society. There's a sense that we're a collective. There's a sense of... That there's a greater idea that we're willing to sacrifice mm-hmm, for. To, and we're willing to sacrifice right. for it. There's an ideal of Mr. nefesh, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of heroism in the country. A tremendous amount of heroism. Now, this all creates a conditions, meaning th- there's no ideology stepping in. There's no way of looking at the world, looking at ourselves, charting a path forward, uh, formulating a vision for what we want our country to be. None of that has really come in to replace the Western vision that might have been knocked loose. So how do we take advantage of the crisis? How do we take advantage of the situation where so many Israelis have had their faith in the Western paradigm shaken, but haven't yet replaced it with a new paradigm? How do we take advantage of the crisis and the present a new paradigm? In my
1: opinion, the only way to do it is to create a working alternative. Okay, To create a microcosm of a working alternative mm-hmm. that expresses ideas that we're talking about and people can join and and cause to grow stronger i'm talking about an alternative leadership Mm -hmm. that has different ideas about how to relate to the non-jews living in the land of israel okay number one how to relate to the u.s israel relationship number two how to relate to the fact that israel is a tiny minority in an arab muslim dominated middle east Mm -hmm. and what that means that is a leadership that wants to create new types of power relationships with the different, different nations of the world that can even give an alternative to the western paradigm of the united nations of the unity of the of the nations that has a different relationship to the christian world and a different relationship to the islamic world and perhaps to the far east as well there are people already who have understanding of the need for these kinds of things, and they're already working towards these these ideas, and they have to be able to unite together to have a working alternative. What has to happen is that this state, the State of Israel has to unite under a new type of leadership, and that new type of leadership is going to replace the old types of leadership and the old games that are played, like the game that's played today in the State of Israel is a game of division. In other words, there's a big pie, and we vote for whoever we think it is that can grab for us a bigger piece of that pie. And that is a model that works maybe in Great Britain, and it brings some kind of stability. Here it brings instability, number one, and number two, it's just not in line with our true values.
0: So you're saying we need a system that's an expression of our true identity. That's true. And and simultaneously educates us to better understand our true identity.
1: And and that leadership is ready to grow. And that's Mm -hmm. going to grow. First of all, it has to grow because we have to survive. And it's going to redefine all these relationships, first of all, within the country, between different groups within the country, and also outside of the country, and bring new ideas uh, to the fore.
0: Okay, so when we talk about, this is dropping on to Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, uh, and you've said this many times, and I've given this over as well, this idea of uh, Tu B'Shvat being the day on which we we focus on uh, drinking from new waters, mm-hmm. from actually finding new ideological inspiration, uh, new isms, new uh, tools to be able to advance ourselves forward and achieve our historic mission. What would you say are some of those new isms? Like, What are the new... Objectives. What are this generation's objectives? Once we're no longer in war, once we have some kind of stable footing. Well, number
1: number one, we have to realize and express in words that we're not a Western society. Mm-hmm. Okay, that we have a relationship with the Western society, but to define ourselves as an agent with a specific relationship with Western society, number one. Number two, because we're not we're not just simply an appendage to the Western society, we're not just a part of the crusaders against the Middle East. We're actually a part of the Middle East, and we have to mm-hmm. be able to redefine our relationship to our Middle East neighbors and our own Semitic heritage, our own um, relationship to Islam. We have to have the desire to help on an authentic level, on a theological level, those who are around us. In other words, in the Middle East, the idea of emunah, of belief, is part of everyday politics. In the West, it's not a part of everyday politics. For us, it has to be. It has to be. For us to survive, and it really is. Like, that's what the Tanakh is. The Tanakh talks about... The idea that I don't take God out when I go to synagogue. God is everywhere. <inaudible> Hashem exists everywhere, permeates everything. And the Islamic world understands that. And we have to be able to act in those ways and to redefine our relationship with that world. We have to, on a material way, also create ourselves independently so we're not dependent upon foreign agendas. Uh, so we have our own ability to have our own military, our own our own military industry, we have to become super powerful, indestructible, because that's the only way to survive in the Middle East. But as a super indestructible tribe, we have to use that power for justice and for goodness. We have to be able to know who our friends are and to be able to help them, and know who our enemies are and to be able to crush them. And the world will respect us for that when we start to do that. We also have to recognize that really we are a unique people. We are a unique people. We're um, we're actually a little piece of all the nations of the world that have been put together into Israel, and it's something unique. Uh, our history is unique. Our present-day existence is unique, and we don't need to be ashamed. But we have to understand that that every single idea in the world comes to comes to expression in some way within the people of Israel, and and, and when we work things out among ourselves, we're actually working out what the United Nations does supposedly. When they give speeches, the nations come out and give speeches about different types of things. We're working that out in our in our everyday life. We have Jews from Africa and Jews from Asia and Jews from Europe and Jews from America. And but we're all brothers. We're all brothers and because we're brothers, we're gonna we have to learn how to work things out together, to live together, and we're gonna have to build to sort out all the great things that we take from all these different exiles and to create something new. So that's something new is going to come we're right now in history and the focal point of that was going to be uh, but we cannot allow that to override the fact that we have to be powerful and strong against against our enemies and they'll respect us for that they will respect hmm. us for it and then and only then if we have something to say will we be able to say it hmm.
0: so in order to be able to put forward a vision to the world we need to first be strong people need to respect us and be interested in hearing what we have to say and uh, and for Israel to take its place on the world stage, the first step is being able to assert ourselves and to be able to communicate clearly to the world, we're not going anywhere, and we're not going to be defeated.
1: Right, and the, but right now we are at a point, at a place where that reality is in question. Mm-hmm. Okay? We are going to strengthen ourselves, but we might have falls before we rise up again. It's mm-hmm. very possible we we'll have falls. Before, for say there might be greater attempts to try to destroy us in the very near future and that's uh, the way that history makes us stronger. Mm-hmm. And
0: Vulnerability so, makes us stronger.
1: I, uh, the, the fact that it's very possible that that we will fall, but we will rise up again. We mm-hmm. won't fall completely. We might have more falls, like the 7th of October was a fall. And there might be more like that. It's very, very possible. Where more illusions are going to be destroyed and we'll have to pick up the pieces. We know we'll have the long-term vision and trajectory of where it is that uh, we we should be going.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always good to check in with you down here on the farm. I'd like to once again thank our patrons for your support and keeping the show free and independent. If uh, anyone would like to join our Patreon community, you can go to patreon.com slash visionmovement. And if anybody would like to check out the show notes to this episode, you can go to visionmag.org backslash the next stage, 114. Once again, this is Yudah Cohen with the Vision Movement, sitting here with Gavriel Reis on his farm down in southern Judea, wishing everyone a Tubeshvat Sameach.